This podcast is made possible by the generosity of supporting members. Please visit dharmaocean.org to learn more about becoming a supporting member. You are listening to the Dharma Ocean Podcast. In the third part of this series on consort relationship, Reggie says that the journey of awakening through relationship requires a commitment to receiving all aspects of our partner with love. In this way, the open way, liberation occurs through a relational journey of surrender and acceptance. This talk was given in 2017 at a weekend program held at Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado, called Awakening Through Relationship, the Tantric Consort. Reggie offers more teachings and practices on the consort journey in The Tantric Consort, a four-part video course produced by Sounds True. So, step number one is the falling in love thing. And... It is the the statement of our fundamental nature. And then step number two is we decide to make the journey with this other person. Because, I mean, how can you turn away from that? How can you? I mean, you can't possibly. You're turning away from your own life. And then is when it gets really interesting. Because we want to pin it down and own it and control it. And that's phase two, which we call, uh, and I think you know, it would be called also in psychology, dysregulation, where all of a sudden the universal invitation of falling in love is an invitation to bring everything that we are and everything that the other is into the crucible of love. And, you know, when, when I met uh, Caroline a little over ten years ago, and I, I figured out how I felt about her, which took a while. Um, I've always like, been the slow one in the relationship. Uh, I don't even know if she ever fell in love with me. She never told me. But, you know, at a certain point it was, I, I want to be with you, I want, to, I want to make the journey, I want to know everything about you, I want to know who you are, I want to know where you come from, I want to know everything you've been through in your life. And that's what we're called to, you know, because we see the sacredness of this other person. So then we begin working on ourselves, and the, all of, at that point all of the guests begin to show up. And this is, the, this is where the tantric approach is so powerful. Because what happens is, there are a lot of knocks at the door, and we have to hear the knock, and we have to go to the door, and we have to open the door, knowing that we do not know who's on the other side. And who is on the other side is going to be all these parts of ourselves that we have walled off, and been unwilling to relate to our whole life. All of these, you know, what we call now in these traumatized parts of ourselves, and all of us are traumatized. That's the nature of the human person. 
It's one trauma after another. And some of us are incapacitated by those experiences, but all of us are more or less dysfunctional because of them. And the love relationship of you know falling in love is so vast and so powerful that it's uh, this huge invitation for everything to come back. And that's usually where we get derailed in relationships because so much comes flooding back in the day-to-day thing and you know we begin to realize that we don't believe the other person loves us and you know we get triggered and we feel like we're being pushed away and we get paranoid that we're going to lose them um, and it goes on and on because these are the early experiences of our life you know we went through terrible terrible things in the first year of life or two all of us did and now they all come back and the the tantric approach is we keep going back to the fundamental substrate. We keep going back in a daily way and touch the freedom and touch the openness and touch the part of ourselves that is not caught in reactivity. And we sit with the other in, you know, when we're both doing this, we sit with the other and we do beholding practice no matter what we're going through. And this is actually very interesting, you know, for us, because we, uh, I don't know how much, you didn't really emphasize this part, Uh, I thought you were going to, but, you know, uh, our therapist told us, as Caroline mentioned, this is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. (laughs) And it turned out to be true. And uh, we spent the first two or three years, I mean, I'll speak for myself, I can't speak for Caroline, but I I couldn't, some, there was something so sacred about it that I could not run away, but everything in me wanted to run away. And everything in me found the intensity of what happened between us and the heightened awareness that occurred with Caroline. It was completely unbearable. And uh, some of you knew me in those days. And I would come over... I had a teacher in Naropa, and I would literally have to do, you know, meditation, forget it. I couldn't meditate at all. Um, and I would have to do my qigong for like an hour to be able to come over and show up in class. That's how bad it was. And I'm a control person. You know, I'm into control. I'm into controlling myself, you know. And it was like the whole thing was blown to smithereens. So what I'm trying to get to is there's an incredibly creative process that happens when we get to that stage, even though it's so painful and so difficult. And the process is that when we fall in love, we make the vow, you know, it's a deep unconscious vow, we make the vow that everything is going to be included. And we are going to, that the level of openness and uh, vulnerability and tenderness that we experienced in, you know, in our state of being in love, that we want to live that way. And so we make this sort of implicit vow to ourselves, and I think we all do it. And that's why all of this, all of these uh, guests begin to come back. And we have to find a way to welcome them in and be with them and learn from them. It's very much, you know, strangely enough, 
well, maybe not strangely enough, uh, but the intimate relationship requires such a deep work on oneself. So I've, you know, personally, uh, I've, I've found the last 10 years, first of all, I did not know the level of early traumatic experience that made up largely my entire childhood. I really had no idea. I had this very kind of rosy, ridiculously optimistic picture of my childhood, and that was so, like, completely wacko. Because my actual family, I mean, I'm, I'm not going into details, um, but my actual family, let's put it this way, they were not in good shape. And I came out with unbelievable scars, and until I met her, I didn't really actually realize it. But being with Caroline, all, suddenly all of this stuff starts coming out and starts coming up. And I think when we get into that second phase we're talking about now in the consort relationship, the, um, the danger that we all have is, I think, that we're hard on ourselves. You know, that it's hard for us to be actually truly kind to ourselves. It's hard for us to understand and be, uh, you know, uh, sympathetic to ourselves. I mean, here's this person who went through these things. How could they be any different? But we judge that person. So, once again, you know, staying in touch and working with this underlying experience of fundamental okayness beyond all the traumas. No matter how traumatized you are, when you touch your basic nature, you know, your what we call the fundamental soma, there's no trauma there. There's only health, there's only freedom, there's only joy. And when that becomes a daily experience, then you're, you're able to make room for the fact that here, again, coming back, here are these two people who have been through all these things, and of course they're upset, you know, of course they don't get along, of course they get triggered, of course each one of us feels at a certain point rejected and despised and pushed out and not seen. And there's a kind of uh, understanding and actually love, you know, for the actuality of one's person, you know, when, when we get to that place. So when our therapist was saying, this is the hardest thing you're ever going to do in your life, what she was getting at is that if you are really serious about bringing the, you know, that primary revelation of the other person and, you know, realizing, you know, the, the vast openness and the acceptance and the joy in being alive, and the vulnerability, the absence of defenses, if you're really going to bring that into your daily life, it's going to cost you. It's going to be a lot of work and it's going to be a lot of pain. But that's, that's a wonderful thing. It's an amazing thing. Our partner keeps throwing us off balance and then we have to integrate the new thing. Dan Siegel wrote a book called The Teenage Brain. I don't know if anybody has uh, read that book. Very, very interesting book. And his basic point applies to the intimate relationship. Now, when I say consort, you know, I'm not talking about some kind of official Vajrayana thing. I'm talking about any intimate relationship has this uh, sort of ultimate quality to it. So that's, I'm using the term in that way. 
But he says that, uh, you know, people think uh, teenagers are often that they're insane and that they represent, you know, it's like mentally ill, you know, from the time of 13 until they're 30 or whatever it is. <laughs> and what he says is actually they are the ones that are growing because what happens with them is they're here and then they get dysregulated and they freak out and they're overwhelmed and they have uh, you know, all these emotions and they don't know what's going on and, and then they come back and then they go away again and then they come back. That process of regulation and dysregulation is actually because their neurological system is growing so fast. And babies, you know, the first year of life, their process is ten times faster than teenagers. Because they cry, they laugh, they smile, they cry. I mean, they go through regulation and dysregulation ten times a minute. You know, because of the... I think, you know, because of the depth of practice that is the basis of the consort relationship, we're cultivating a kind of openness where that's happening too, you know, with our partner, this constant regulation and dysregulation and then coming back and then going away. So, how do we stay with that? How do we hold, how do we hold to it? How do we stay with the process and not just sort of uh, grin and bear it, but how does it become a joyful process, a process that we can welcome and a process that we can make room for? I think that's the challenge. This weekend we want to work with you on a variety of practices, uh, both talking and not talking, to explore this together and see. I also just want to mention the third stage in the tantric relationship, which we could call true passion or true love. I'm following here, I'm using wonderful uh, typology of uh, Terence Rael, who's written some wonderful books on uh, male-female and uh, um, any kind of oppositional relationship. You know, we're not just talking about gender here, male and female, we're talking about any two people who represent polarity and are attracted to each other. He's written some wonderful books called, uh, one of them is, how can I get through to you? It's a great book, so I want to just mention you know, his writing. But stage three is able to make our state of being so big and so open that we make room for how it actually is in our relationship with sympathy, with tenderness, uh, with disbelief, with irony, with joy, and he gives a, an example of a couple goes out to dinner and, you know, they, they go through in the beginning, you know, first, you know, romantic and, oh, you know, my partner's so beautiful or so handsome. And then, uh, God, this person's so boring. <laughs> and then the next one is, oh, this person is so insightful and this is an amazing journey. And then the next one is, this person's an oaf. And it, the whole evening, you know, you, you kind of go through your whole relationship, and it's just an example. I mean, it doesn't usually work that way, you know, in, in fact, but um, it could. So you go through all these different facets and phases, any one of which would be, would lead you to certain conclusions, but when you put them together, you can't come to any conclusion, except that you're together. 
and that there is a there is a, a presence to the whole dance of your relationship and there's a, a there can be and i think from the tantric point of view the more we are able to rest underneath all of the games and strategies of ego the more we can as i've been saying appreciate and deeply rejoice in how it is with us human beings it's uh, it's poignant because there's so much sadness in the world it's um a little bit fearful because this person might not be with me tomorrow it's challenging because i can never get comfortable it's difficult because this person always has a different point of view and only by letting go and surrendering and opening can i really you know be with this you know be fully present there's this whole range of emotions and feelings and what Terry Real says uh, which i think is really interesting he says you know if we are on the young side and not very mature at the end of the evening we say oh gee i got to find another partner you know this doesn't work for me i need to find a partner where i'm not going to have these experiences you know all the negative ones or painful ones but from the other point of view and i would say the tantric point of view we're able to see the totality and we're able to rejoice in it the interesting i think one of the interesting things about the this intimate uh, relationship is that it's not just uh, romantic or sexual we have many intimate relationships in our life and i think the tantric uh, consort relationship is not really set up it doesn't really say all of us have to have that kind of romantic relationship i think what it's saying is here is a metaphor here is a a way we can be as caroline mentioned yes with an intimate partner but uh with our children we can have that kind of nakedness and vulnerability and appreciation with friends um even people that we struggle with at work ultimately the you know when we talk about the realization that comes from the intimate relationship what are we talking about we are talking about developing a different way of being in relationship to the whole world as caroline mentioned we're talking about a kind of uh being able to meet each moment of our life with other people or the world itself not within the framework of our ego but but within the precincts of our body one of the things we're going to explore this weekend is the way in which the body when we know how to enter it what happens is we begin to tap into its awareness it's very strange it's you know it's not that we are becoming aware of the body or we are we you know our conscious self is becoming aware of the body's awareness by entering the body we actually are able to enter into the body's own awareness of itself and we begin to realize that you know we have our left brain thinking mind but underneath that what we would say subcortically you know our subcortical regions of our body which includes our right brain our emotional brain our amygdala our brain stem the heart center which is a processing parallel processing center of information and in our gut and really down to every cell of our body 
that our body is absolutely and totally awake at all times and the body actually receives experience without any filtering. One of the things we're going to explore this weekend is the way in which the heart actually is able to behold the other and see the other from his or her point of view, not from our ego point of view. So the um, somatic practices of the um, Vajrayana practicing lineage really are, it's the gate to the to being able to be in the consort relationship with the unbelievable intensity that that involves and to actually be okay with it and to be able to manage it and not even manage it but uh, take advantage of what's being offered to us on a daily basis. It's been very interesting. Uh, we have, between the two of us, we have worked with a lot of different somatic traditions. Caroline has worked with Taoism, which is a very, very, very profound and powerful. Um, she's worked with a healing method called Integrative Manual Therapy that works with energy. And we both worked with our Hakomi therapist and with a lot of other people. And what is interesting is, and really astounding for me to discover, is that the Vajrayana tradition itself actually contains pretty much everything that's going on in Western somatic therapy, but it does it from a much, much deeper level. It gives us uh, direct access to the unborn mind in us. So uh, that's uh, what we're going to try to explore. Uh, you know, we've, uh, we've done some pretty crazy things in our time together, but teaching this weekend takes the cake. <laughs>